Now, please don't be shocked at this verse. I'm, I'm not going to be beating, beating anybody up. It's so very easy to take really strong scriptures and uh, hurt people. So that's not what we're doing tonight. I want to preach to you about the miracle of believing. The miracle of believing. The Bible says here in chapter 21 of Revelation, verse number 8, but the fearful and unbelieving, the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I want to say tonight, it's very important that we realize the miracle of belief because it doesn't take works to get you into heaven. All the work's been done. It doesn't take baptism to get you into heaven because some die without getting baptized. What does it take to get to heaven? What does it take not only to get to heaven to be saved, but what does it take to make your life better? You have to be a believer. You have to believe. The Bible has so much to say about the sadness of unbelief and the blessing of being a believer. Now, how many stop believing? Well, if you believed in Christ and you've been saved, you can't say that you didn't do that. Now, you can say it, and then if, you, if you're serious about it, then you really never believed, right? So you need to get saved. But if you did receive Christ as your Savior, there's nothing in the world that can take that away. But I want to I focus in on the miracle tonight of this choice of being a believer. Be, be uh, believing on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us now tonight and help us to be believing. Help us to believe the Lord God Almighty. Help us to believe in what you said. The whole entire scripture, the whole text, the whole garment of the Bible, all 66 books. Help us to believe every single word. Help us to believe it, even though we don't understand some of it, even though we don't obey all of it. We pray that you'll help us to believe with our heart tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you see in the first sentence here, but the fearful and unbelieving. Boy, isn't that a sad statement that people would, uh, would, would, would uh, just be stubborn enough to die without Jesus Christ. I don't, I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget Brother Tugman's dad. Pretty, pretty uh, tough guy. I went to see him in a rest home. Uh, he was up here for a while before he passed away. And um, Mike had been talking to him. And so he, uh, he said, I, I think you ought to go and visit my dad. I said, man, I'd be glad to. So I went to, went to the rest home, and um, he, did, he did recognize me. Mike and I were there. Um, and right away, Mike's dad said, I just want you to know something. First thing, he didn't say hi or nothing. He said, I want you to know something. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. And I thought, wow. 
what do I have, a halo on my head or something? I mean, why was that the first thing that was said? Well, apparently, he changed. He decided that he would trust Christ as a Savior, and Brother Mike led his dad to Christ. And he's in heaven now. The beauty of this whole thing is how easy it is to choose to believe. Now, there's a lot of people in Linden up our way that believe you're predestinated to get saved. Well, the problem with that is if you're predestinated to get saved, then if nobody got saved, they must be predestinated to go to hell. Because if five people get saved out of ten, what are you going to do? Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, they were predestinated. Sorry. If the five are predestinated to go to heaven, that means those poor, those poor people that are left of the others, they were predestined to go to hell. It, you know, it's just not true. It's a choice. It's a choice. Little children can make that choice. Moms and dads can make that choice. It is an individual choice, and praise God, it's not complicated. How many are glad the Bible tell, talks about the simplicity of the gospel? It is so wonderful. I don't know what's wrong with America. We should all have Sunday school for little children. We should all be having a great time in church. We, are, we should all, the whole world should be. I, I was out soul winning one time. When we first started the church, I ran into a deacon. He was a Southern Baptist deacon in uh, South Carolina. Um, and I uh, used to remember his name. He's been gone for so long. He's in heaven right now. Lloyd Haskins. Thank you. Thank you. Lloyd Haskins. Um, Lloyd Haskins. He said, come on in. He gave me a big cup of tea and everything. We sat and talked about the gospel. He said, what are you doing out here? Well, we're going to start a church. He said, that's wonderful. He said, why don't you come uh, and preach for us? I said, well, I, 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 he said, no, it's okay. We're Southern Baptists, but you don't have to join the church. We just don't have a preacher right now. And he says, why don't you just come and preach for us once? I said, that's okay. I can do that. I said, I use the old fashioned Bible. He said, ah, that's all right. You know what he said? He told me a story. He told me a story of when he was a young boy in school in South Carolina. And um, the local churches, this, this had to be in the, the 30s, maybe, in the 30s. You know what they did in public school? They canceled public school because in the, his town they were going to have a revival at his church. And they let all the kids out at like, 11 o'clock, because all that week, every night at the Baptist church, they're going to have a revival. Lloyd Haskins never forgot that. Well, you want to make kids happy and help them believe? Cancel school so they can go to church. But anyway, he got saved when he was a little boy, and then became a deacon, and uh, he's just a great guy. And he, you know, that, was a, that was a sweet cup of tea, I'll tell you. Just fellowshipping with him, and we got to meet him. But our country needs our country needs to get back to the simplicity of the gospel story, uh, because it is really easy. Um, and so, there's no there's there's no place in heaven, there's not one place in heaven for an unbeliever. Did you know that? Nobody is going to go to heaven who doesn't believe in Jesus. That's the sad part about it. Well, is it complicated? No, it's not complicated at all. In fact. Getting saved is one of the easiest things to do in the whole world. Let me, let me explain. Here's a story that somebody tells you, 
right? Uh, it's such a simple story. You can hear it when you're a little child. You can hear it on your deathbed. But it's a simple little story. And you know what the gospel, the word gospel means good news. So it's not just news, it's good news. It's the gospel. Jesus called it the gospel. So here's this little story. Now, you have to believe that story. It is a story. You can't introduce Jesus to somebody in the flesh, right? He's not here. You have to tell the story. You have to tell somebody a small little story. How to get their sins forgiven. How to go to heaven. There is a God. He gave His only begotten Son. He died on the cross. He shed His blood and He rose again the third day. And He's waiting for you. And if you trust Him and ask Him to be your Savior, He will forgive you of all your sins. And He'll come into your heart and you will never go to hell. I'll tell you, that story is just so sweet. It came from heaven though. Nobody else dreamed that up. That's a, that's a, there's some crazy fables going around. And seems like religious uh, people that uh, start new cults and stuff, they've all got all kinds of crazy things. I'll give you one for example. Do you know the Hare Krishna movement? Have you ever seen them? They used to have these long flowing pastel uh, lavender sheets for gowns and stuff. And, and uh, they, they're always dancing and chanting and at the airports. They used to be all around the Seattle airport. Now, now they're in the government. But anyway, but, ah, you knew that was coming. Yeah. Anyway, they, <laughs> they, teach, they, they teach that there's a ponytail that the Hare Krishnas have. And you know why they have to grow that long? They believe that's, that somebody's going to carry them up to glory by the ponytail, picking them up. No kidding. Man, I'd hate to be a brand new Hare Krishna. It's like the angel comes down. I, I can't grab it. It's brand new. You don't have a sorry to you. You know, uh, I'm just in a mood tonight. I'm, the gospel story is very simple. It's easy. It's clear. And if you believe it, think about this. If you believe that gospel story, the moment you accept it as, your, as truth, you're saved. I mean, you're saved. Why aren't we telling little children the gospel Why more? In America, what happened to our nation? It used to be, it used to be what you call staple, to have a Bible and a preacher and a church and Churches used to be dotted all around the country. I mean, it used to be fabric of our society. Our first president had a Bible. He kissed the Bible. He went to church. George Washington was baptized by a Baptist preacher. A lot of people don't even know that. George, uh, not only that, but Abraham Lincoln. His, his mother, I think, either his mother or his father was baptized by a Baptist preacher. I mean, that, it used to be ingrained in our society. Because it's just a simple little story. But there's no place in heaven for an unbeliever. There's no forgiveness. There's no exception to that rule. Did you know that? There's not ever been somebody that went to heaven without accepting the, the saving grace of God, whether they knew who the Messiah was or not. 
Moses talked about Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus said to the Pharisee, you should have listened to Moses because he spoke of me. Now, I searched and I found several places where Moses actually talked about the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Didn't know his name. But suffice it to say, people get saved by grace in the Old Testament. People get saved by grace today. People get saved by grace tomorrow by that little teeny story, that tiny little beautiful story. It's so easy. There's no exceptions, though. There has never been an exception to this truth uh, that, that there will be no forgiveness for anybody that rejects Christ. You remember in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And he, he's in charge of that wonderful story. It, it all, it's all about him. So it is a miracle. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you put that little mustard seed faith that you had? Do you remember? You didn't know. You might have been living in sin. You might have been having a trial in your life. You might have been brokenhearted. You might not have ever been in church. You might not have known anything about the Bible. And the, that which you did think you knew, you might have been in error on, you know. But when you heard the gospel, you asked Jesus to come in your heart. That little, tiny, little decision was the biggest one you ever made. It's eternal. It is a miracle. It's just so incredible. You heard a story about a man named Jesus, and you accepted it. You chose to believe it. That's what salvation's all about. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16, if you will, for a minute. Now, here is the picture of the Philippian jailer. Remember that? And he didn't go to church. He, he, he was a jailer. He was a, he, was a, he was a Roman jailer. Those guys were under a lot of pressure. If somebody were to escape, the punishment that the, that the prisoner would get, the jailer had to receive that. That was the law. So if somebody escaped then they would have to bear their punishment. That jailer was trembling. He was scared to death. Um, and so at midnight, verse 25 said, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, this is the guy that God saved, the keeper of the prison, the Philippian jailer. Wow. He awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, look what he did. He drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. You know what he was thinking? I'm toast. I'm not going to let them torture me. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to die. He wanted not to be uh, handed over to the authorities. He wanted to kill himself. This was real, folks. This is not just a little story that we tell at bedtime. This man was, he, he was, he was done. And he said, I better take my own life. I'm not going to put up with that. I'd rather fall on my own sword than have the shame for my family I, I'm done it's, it happened he was scared he was frightened 
And look what happened in verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in. He didn't shuffle or walk. He sprang in and came trembling. Now, get the picture. This man... He really, really needed help. He was so thankful that the prisoners were all there. He realized, okay, I got a chance. I, I might make it. He sprang into the jail cell and he fell down. I believe he got on his knees. Maybe it doesn't say that exactly. But when you fall down before Paul and Silas, you're either on your face or you're, you, you, you fall down in, a, in humility. Wouldn't you agree with that? He says he fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, you can look at it any way you want to. Saved from what? You can look at it saved from punishment, saved, saved uh, from, from uh, shame, whatever the government would give him, or you could put it on a spiritual level like I think. I think he was asking, how do I go to heaven? How do I be saved? How can I be saved? Well, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, what did Paul say? If this is really serious, you know, if all these religions in the world, you'd think that they'd go right here to this illustration and say, well, that proves you got to get baptized. That proves that you had to go to catechism. This proves that you have to join the church. This proves that you have to give money. This proves that you, oh man, yes, this proves you have to be a Mormon. It proves you got to uh, grow a ponytail. <laughs> no, it doesn't prove anything of the sort. The only thing it proves is that at the moment of his greatest desire, he was talking about salvation. How do I get my sins forgiven? How? Well, they were singing psalms and hymns, and they were, they, were, they were having a great time. That affected the prisoners. But watch, you can tell what he really meant here. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said what? Verse 31, what did they say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Period. Period. I, it, it, he did get baptized. They, he did bring them home, wash their stripes. It was a wonderful fellowship. But if you really want to know what it takes to get saved and to have your sins forgiven, it's to believe. Now, did he have a choice in the matter? Did the Philippian jailer have a choice? Absolutely. You can say that uh, God moves people up to make a choice, sure, but he doesn't make the choice for anybody. The proof is that there's two thieves on the cross next to Jesus. One chose not to, the other chose to re receive Christ. You see the miracle in that? That one word, believe, now, I wonder tonight, uh, those that don't believe, I hate to say that they're condemned already, but you have to say it's true. Look at John, John chapter 3. Now, Jesus spoke this. You know, a lot of folks don't realize that John 3.16 is quotation by the mouth of the Lord. In your red letter Bible, you should have red letters in John 3.16. Who's talking here? It's the quote, direct quotation from Jesus himself. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is that, you English professors, is that third person? Is he talking third person? We don't have any English professors in here? Come on. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, speaking of himself. Is that, okay, second person, I don't know. But anyway, you see, he's not saying me and I. He's putting the gospel out there for everybody. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. It's a, it's a, it's a statement that lasts throughout all eternity. Look at it. It says, for God sent not his son, me, into the world to condemn the world. So did Jesus come to just condemn everybody? What say you? Let's, let's. We, we need a little more participation here. Uh, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Did God send his son to condemn the world? It says no, he didn't. He came to save the world. But that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. According to the Bible, are you condemned? If you believe in Jesus Christ. No. We're not condemned. And you know why? Because we believed. One day, I just made up my mind. I said, I'm not living this way anymore. I'm lonely. What I don't, I'm just trying to remember how I felt. <laughs> I hate what's going on. Uh, I, I was just, I was in a, a terrible condition. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't going off to prison or anything, and I wasn't arrested. I mean, I was just a, a long-haired teenage little hippie kid with a bad attitude, played basketball, and went around like a wolf everywhere. My wife says, I was raised by wolves. <laughs> and sometimes I think she's right. I was a leader of the pack. No. <laughs> I wasn't. I, I, I was a scoundrel. I was a little, uh, a little creep. But I got saved. And I'm glad I did. I got down on my knees and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Now, now let me tell you something. You know how much Bible I knew by, by the time I got saved? Nothing. I think I, I couldn't, I, I could tell you where Matthew was. I knew that was the first book of the New Testament. I knew where Genesis was. Because that was the first book of the uh, Old Testament. Is, is that right? No. That's about all I knew of the Bible. Praise God. That little tiny moment of choice. I'm glad I made that choice. And you're glad too, aren't you? Do you see the miracle of belief? Now, let me, let me take this farther because it's not just salvation that God wants us to deal with as Christians. You've got to... You, it says, let us go on to... Uh, uh, deeper things and better things and, and uh, not lay again the foundations of, of baptism and, and repentance toward God like Hebrews chapter 6 says. Let's go on a little farther now that we're saved. Just because you know how to ride a bike doesn't mean you park it. Right? You should ride it. Right? How many remember when you first uh, learned how to ride a bike? Did you park it? Man, I rode everywhere. And now that I got saved, now I can live for Jesus. 
Now, there's other things to believe in. You know, if, you, if all you do is just believe for salvation, praise God, that is enough for eternity. But if you did, now you got something else to live for too. You can live for others. You can do something for God. You can believe, not just, not just locked up in one little issue that you never get off of. I believed God. Boy, my goodness. It scares me sometimes the things that I believe God for. It does. Man, you believe God, He might pick you up and do something really neat with you. He might do something you never thought of. They stood there one day in San Francisco Bay and they grumbled. They grumbled. I said, I'd like to go over there, but I got to go all the way around the bay. I got to go to Oakland and San Leandro. I got to go all the way I-5 and, you know, up, up, up that area. I got to go by San Quentin and all that. I got to go this great big huge horseshoe. And they, they fought that thing for a long time. Finally, somebody believed they could do it. And you got the Golden Gate Bridge now. How many ever been over that thing? It is massive. A few years ago, I took Jeanette down to uh, 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 Santa Clara, uh, Golden State Baptist College. We were checking it out, and we went over the bridge. We got to the other side, and we looked back, took all kinds of pictures, did the selfies, you know. It was pretty neat. I couldn't believe. Somebody believed they could do that. There, in, in France, there was... Uh, a construction crew on one side of the mountain and a construction crew on the other side. And they said, we need a tunnel. You know what happened? They actually bored the tunnel and agreed on all these little things. Somebody believed they could do it and they actually hit exactly perfect. The two, all the math was just perfect. The tunnel didn't go off and miss each other. You know, they didn't go up and down. They went exactly and they connected and there's a tunnel. I don't remember what mountain it was. The true story. Somebody said, we can do it. We can do this. You know what a Christian is supposed to do? I can do all things through Christ with strength with me. And Jesus said, if you believe, you can do this. You can do it. Listen, if you, if you pray. Now listen, I'm not one of these guys that get up and say, there's nothing you can't do in the whole wide world. You hear this every graduation, don't you? by kids that don't even know what they're talking about. I can do anything. No, you can't. If you're a Christian, you can believe God for anything, if it's his will, right? But some, some of them little, little people that are got bad attitudes and throw rocks, they should never be president. And, and they should go to jail. All right. But what I'm saying is, Jesus Christ gives us the ability to believe. Now that you believe in for salvation, what are you believing God for? Hey, does he not say when you pray, when you get down to pray, believe that you have these things and it'll happen. Be a believer. Believe God. Fight, fight to the death. Anything that, that takes your belief away. Don't let anything get in your way. It's right there in the Bible. How many say he gives us plenty to live up to? Right? What, remember, call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You believe that? We're supposed to. We're supposed to believe it. 
We're supposed to believe every single thing. So I don't know where I stack up. I've got things in here. I go, oh, man, I know you said it, Lord. I know you. I know. I believe it. I really do. But when I pray, I got all this doubt. Oh, my goodness. I just see that's just my problem, isn't it? Come on. It's my problem. If I don't believe enough, that's my problem. Is that right? If God said it, oh, listen, God wants to bring us up and be the strongest believer you can. How many have ever heard this term? Oh, he was a devout Christian. Okay, I heard it. Um, have, you ever heard, have you ever heard anybody say he was a strong believer? That's what God wants to make every one of us. Strong believers without any doubt. Um, it's, it's just so, look at John uh, chapter uh, 20, John 20. I'm not trying to bring everybody into the, a terrible load of conviction tonight. But God might be. God might want you to believe him. By the way, did you know that the only sin that cannot be forgiven if somebody dies without Jesus Christ, they don't believe in him, that can't be forgiven. There's no, there's no remedy for that. That's, that's akin to blasphemy against the Lord, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. There's no forgiveness. You cannot be forgiven if you die without Jesus Christ. It's over for eternity. An unbeliever, an unbelieving Christian is, a, is quite a sinful thing. Jesus called it a wicked heart of unbelief. Okay, let's look at John 20. And you remember Thomas. Don't you love Thomas? I love Thomas. He's awesome. Because he kind of, he, God let him put, put, put him in the Bible just for people like us. Right? Let's look at chapter 20, uh, 20 verse 24. So they had church at night. And it says, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. About a, about a week earlier now the other disciples therefore said unto him we have seen the lord but he said unto them except i shall see his in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side i will what is belief a choice he said i don't i will not believe well I'm so glad the Lord had compassion on him. You know, God's still working on everybody. Did you know that? You know what he wants out of everybody in the world? Just believe me. Just believe my son. Believe Jesus Christ came to die for you. Believe that. Believe in him. Believe in him. Believe on him. Believe me. It's just so easy. It says, I will not believe. Then, look at verse 26. Eight, after eight days... Again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. So he finally decided to join up in fellowship with the believers there. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Now watch. He singled out Thomas. Oh my goodness. That would be so scary. It's like Jesus said, Come here, Tav. I don't know what I yeah. Thomas. He says, then saith he to Thomas. He looked at Thomas. 
don't know what he did. He may have pointed, but he said, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. That's the same words that Thomas used. He said, unless I thrust my hand into his side, Jesus says, come here. Thrust your hand in my side. I wonder what he felt like when he was putting his hand in the wounds. Made a believer out of him, didn't it? Now watch. He said, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus saith, saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Here's where you and I fit into this story. <laughs> this is great. Look at it. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. Have you ever touched him? You've never put your hands in his side. You don't know what those wounds look like. You've never put your fingers in his hands. You've never felt the scar around his brow. None of that. You've never done any of that. You've never, you don't even know. We, we, we don't even know what he sounds like. We have never heard his voice. So these guys, man, you wish you were back there and you wish you could, right? Go fishing with him and eat bread and fish on the on the fire, the campfire at the, at the seashore, and watch him and watch him how he deals with people and help him feed 5,000 and then 4,000. We've never been there, but we believe. I'll tell you what, we are blessed. That little, that little decision that you made years ago or maybe recently, that was the most wonderful thing you could do. But you know, God wants us to believe for other things too. So tonight, I want you to think about this. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting on anybody. I'm just saying, be courageous. Believe. Have a good attitude. Be positive. I'm not talking about Norman Vincent Peale positive. I'm not talking about a false positive. I'm talking about... You look into the Bible and say, hey, I know that this is happening, but God said something about that. And I know that's happening. God said something about that too. I know this is going on right now, but God said something about that. And I know God's going to get us out of this. I know God's going to do this and that. I know and I believe and even, hey, uh, where's the promise of his coming? I thought you said Jesus was going to come. All this and he will. Uh, uh, it's okay. You're not taking my belief away. Just because he didn't come yesterday doesn't mean he's not coming. I'm living on that. I'll tell you, I'm living on that until I die. That's a blessed hope that keeps you going. You say, well, I'm tired of waiting. Well, that, that, that might be, but that's not, that's not spiritual. Spiritual is like, yep, we're closer. Amen. How, how many understand we're getting closer to the end? you understand? Now, isn't that an encouraging thing? I remember when I first got saved 46 years ago. If you'd have told me, you got to wait 46 years and then he's still not coming. I'd say, well, I don't know if I want to wait that long. But nobody told me that. You know what they told me? He could come back today. He could come back today. Did you know every single one of the apostles felt 
and believed that he was going to come back in their lifetime? Every one of them. But this hope, this belief is so precious to us. So be positive. How many have ever accused you of being an I, a, a, a can-do attitude? You ever had that? That's a good thing to be called. She has such a can-do attitude. Don't stare at the stairs. It's a kid's song. Just step up the steps. Don't stare at the stairs. Just step up the steps. I can do it. I can. My brother and I did the first Seattle National Bank, first National Bank of Seattle, 19, uh, 1980, 1980. My brother Scott and I, you know what we did? We took the elevator all the way up to the observation deck, first National Bank of Seattle. Big square box. They say it's a box that the Space Needle came in. Huge building. Nothing like what they got now. So you know what we did? We did something really, really dumb. We took the fire escape stairs, you know, the stairs, down to the street level. I don't know if we ever should have done that. I was so tired by the time I got, and we were going down. We didn't climb up. I'd, I wouldn't be here. My brother, I would have died. My brother and I went down all of the whole way down to the bottom, and we opened the door and got out on the side rock. We just went, <gasps> <sighs> we did it. We couldn't hardly walk. It's just something kids do, you know. It was really fun. But I, we just believed we could do it. Just believe. Don't stop. Hey, by the way, I've, I came up with something. I thought, what if you come to a fork in a road? Pick it up, wash it off, and use it. Right? Believing is simple. Jesus wants us to believe. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe. Then Jesus says, all things whatsoever you ask, if you believe, you shall have them. How many got work to do on your belief? You might have a little teacup. Uh, sometimes my belief is like a teacup. Maybe a thimble. Now, I'm on a swimming pool of belief. I, I want to believe God, make him happy. Because without faith it is impossible to please him. But he that cometh unto God must believe that he is and a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Let's bow our heads for prayer.